Jeez, Dad, not the car again. Oh, happens all the time with old Betsy. Have you checked out Carvana yet? They have thousands of cars for under $20,000. But do those thousands of cars have personality like old Betsy? Betsy's held together by tape. And there are raccoons living in the engine. It's a family car. Uh, there are flames on the hood? Ah, custom paint job. No, Dad, the car's on fire. How many cars did you say Carvana had? Visit Carvana.com to shop thousands of cars for under $20,000. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Clap, slap, slap. Les différents podcasts de frappe. Arsenal have been through their mile and a half of pipe like Andy Dufresne in the Shawshank Redemption where you have to see the light at the end of the tunnel. El podcast de golpe diferente. But Arsenal are going through their pipe, like I say. We'll be back. The Different Knock Podcast. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. Hello and welcome back to the Different Knock Preview podcast, the latest spin-off from your favourite Arsenal-based podcast. And I am delighted to have Baz with me today from the, and I'm, I'm going to get this right because there's a lot of words in the name of this podcast. It's 11, it's heaven for Jamie Vardy podcast. That's Mark M and Mark Manderfield. Mark, Mark Mandfield? Manderfield? Mark- Mark Manderfield. Mark Manderfield, at Mark Manderfield on Twitter, uh, who, and I got in touch with you guys to, um, for, to see if any of you wanted to come on for Leicester and the lovely guy who runs the Twitter has, has sent Baz my way. And we've, we've been chatting a little bit on and off for about a week now. Uh, and we finally get to film this for you guys, which I'm super, super excited about. Um, but I, I, I mean, the first question I have to ask is why is an Aston Villa on a, an Aston Villa fan on a podcast with four Leicester fans that seems to be quite Leicester heavy. Um, well, it was it was just an idea. Um, Mark, uh, who's the the Twitter name, he decided he wanted to make football pass during a uh, football podcast during lockdown, and um, he asked me to come on um, just to be as a neutral. Um, we played football together when we were younger, and um, I, I used to be a co- football coach as well. And he was just like, "You like like you need to be more critical." Um, and maybe as not as biased as maybe uh, they would be, and um, mm. it's just it's just it's led on from there. Um, and I, I don't know if you've saw, saw our artwork. It, it's quite we like it as our Twitter and Facebook artwork because it, it's kind of eye catching to have that mm. spare Aston Villa picture um, in, in the middle of the group of the Aston Villa, uh, the Leicester Leicester lands, and it causes yeah. a bit of up, uproar sometimes on on Twitter and in the Facebook accounts. But good banter. And um, it just adds a d- different dimension to it. Definitely. And it's it's always good to have those opposing opinions because it it, it does lend something to a lot of different conversations. We uh, I was chatting to a friend of mine on the last episode who's a Liverpool fan about the Salah situation. And the fact that I'm so removed from that, I think almost gives me a slightly more level head to to say kind of where what I think should happen than some and it, it's the same you know we've had people on before and spoken about Arsenal players and it does almost just give you a bit more of a objectivity which is great Agreed um, I've obviously I've listened to your last two two shows and I think I even messaged you, you one of the topics you were talking about which uh, we might even debate this evening Well <laughs> well, well we'll definitely we'll definitely get to that don't you worry Um 
so I mean, some housekeeping to start. We, we've this is the first we've we've reworked this preview podcast for the first time today. It's literally just a change of name to one of the sections. Uh, instead of calling it a preview, uh, we're going to get straight on and call it a club scout report, and we're going to focus quite heavily, obviously, on the opposition. Um, so, firstly, I want to ask you: How did you become a Villa man as a Scotsman? Um, well, funnily enough, when I was about 10, I, I was quite a big big lad and I was put in with older boys playing football and they all supported two teams. So my local team would be Aberdeen um, from where I grew up and they always supported an English team and I had no idea or no clout or information on what English football was. Um, mm. So they put so much pressure onto me. I went home after a match and I opened up the, I think it was the News of the World and I picked my favourite strip and for that's 30 years ago. Um, and in actual fact, whether this is embarrassing or not, I've been to more Aston Villa games than I have Aberdeen games in the last ten years. I so, I, yeah. I, I, re- I respect it. Uh, you've got to you've got to support those colours. Um, well, I guess the first one of the first things that I think would be interesting to discuss, um, and it, it's it's something that that um, is obviously. I mean, it's still quite fresh. It feels like it happened a long, long time ago. But the introduction of Stephen Gerrard and the dismissal of Dean Smith. Uh, I, I touted in our in our preview, like a preview of the season, kind of back back way back before a ball had been kicked, that I thought the Villa were going to have a tough start and that Grealish was going to have a tough start at, um, at City after almost that very. I mean, it was very acrimonious, but that massive divorce of almost the characterization of a player in a club. It felt like v- v- Grealish was Villa and Villa was Grealish. And I think that did play out a little. And I guess the actual question that I should get onto rather than waffle is what differences do you see as uh, as as a Villa fan now that you have changed manager to Steven Gerrard? It's, it's a strange one because I was actually um, uh, Dean Smith in and um, I, obviously being Scottish, I, I follow the Scottish report quite a bit. And as much as Gerard did bring them one title in three and a half seasons, with the squad he had and the advantage over Celtic, he should have won more. So I was a bit nervous about him coming down. But within that first two games, the the difference that he made to the midfield, we were weak in midfield with Dean. Um, we did bring in big players, big money. There was obviously going to be a transition period, but nothing really changed. So we were heavily reliant on the guy predominantly released uh, took over from Grealish Buendia but we, we weren't we didn't build the team around him they just slotted him in the same place assumed that he'd be okay there and it didn't really work what Gerrard's brought is just fight and almost um, extra energy levels our midfield are energetic they're tenacious um, angry angry midfielders who if they lose the ball they go and get it immediately he's brought on players such as Jacob Ramsey who is phenomenal now oh my phenomenal God. player such a good ball ball player um, he's he called top goal scorer um, surprised he didn't get a sniff in the England squad today um, and he's he's just made everyone better and it, it's weird how to describe I can't really describe it in a way it's not necessarily better passers or um, faster players they're more intelligent John McGinn sees a ball that he didn't see before. Same with Dougie Louise. 
Tyrone Mings isn't as sloppy as he was when he was with Dean Smith. Um, Konza is just an absolute Rolls Royce of a defender. And I think with the introduction of Coutinho, um, Dean, we've we've solidified the team. F- full strength, first 11, challenges any team in the league. Oh, big. That's Those are big words. Big, big words. I love it. Um, and I guess it's always tough to go through um again you've you've you guys have obviously almost gone through two separate divorces it's almost like the parents got remarried and six months later it <laughs> it fell apart again uh, you know losing dean as well um but with gerard obviously it seemed that he came in and there was a big big hot streak and you 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 won a couple of games on the bounce and it seems to have teetered a little with some some other results, and I guess, I guess the 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 main kind of question is is with your obvious old now reservations about Gerard, do, does any of that still remain, or do you do you have full full confidence in this going forward, and and see kind of all of these little blips in, in certain results as, as, cause you're, you're still essentially in a teething period with a, with a manager who's probably, is it, is he even taken 10, 10 games in charge yet? 10, 12 games, something like that. Yeah, I think, I think he's 11. Yeah. So he, yeah, I do have full confidence in him. I like the way he talks. I think, um, he came down, he came down with a formation that worked with Rangers, um, very attacking fullbacks, um, uh, the two either side of the central midfield three cover that position when they go marauding, and uh, you're heavily reliant on your front four, and they they can do what they want. Now that works in Scotland because the football is substandard, of course it is, and it worked the first two games, but they were against teams who are very regi- regimented in their play, Everton and Brighton, Crystal Palace too. Um, so it was easy to come into that. We got unstuck. By teams who cottoned on to what we were doing, and we took must have been three three beatings. Um, when we lost to Man City, lost to Liverpool two one, both respectively. But then we took a bit of a heavy beating from um, Burnley, I think it was, and Newcastle. And it's just because we were outwitted tactically, which was um, frustrating. The fans could see where the errors were wrong and, and Twitter would explode afterwards. Mm. The subs not being the correct subs and, and, and the formation's not changing early enough. But the thing I really liked about Gerard is he didn't stick to it. He was he, he he wasn't he wasn't so stubborn to go, well this is this is my way, it's going to work, it worked in Scotland, it's going to work here. And he found a way to put our two thirty plus strikers in the same team and work well. And up until last weekend um, it was working phenomenally and and it didn't really not work against West Ham it's just unfortunately Moyes is, is quite good tactically and he spotted our weaknesses and pounced on it and and that's what won them the game and it, that, 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 listen that's going to happen at some times especially you know and, and I, I, I've said this about um, Arsenal in respect to the clubs that have better players than them sometimes you can have nothing go wrong for you. You can, you like Arsenal, when we played Liverpool, I don't know if you watched the match for about 60 minutes, we were, we were very, we were very good. But at at any point when you're playing a team that is just a level above you, 
that things can just turn and go and go against you, not because you're doing anything wrong, but just because they're better than you at points or they're in a, they're, and it sometimes isn't even that. Sometimes it's just they're further along in their process than you are and they're more gelled than you are. Um, and you mentioned there your, your kind of four attackers and getting Watkins and Ings to work, I think, well together. Ings was a strange one for me. Came out of nowhere. No one, no one, no rumors, no nothing. And then all of a sudden, and I guess I wonder, what is your take on that piece of business? Because he's, I think it is 30 now, wasn't signed for an expensive fee. But when you've got, when you had Ollie Watkins, I guess that was the one, one piece of your summer business that I, I was, that I questioned a bit and wondered whether the money could have gone to maybe another center back to replace Tyrone Mings or a central midfield option. So you can finally get rid of Morgan Sanson. <laughs> um, yeah, I think me personally, I, I was a bit surprised. That it, well, the fact that it came out of nowhere, it was just announced. The the the, the website announced it. There was no big hoo ha about it. Was it for me? I, I'm with you. I I would rather that Manny went on a defensive midfielder because it's still what we sorely miss. We we kind of try to play a diamond, um, and you need that pivot at the back for that to work, and it needs to it needs to be a good player. Um, Louise is okay. It's just not his position. Um, Ings, I think I think Dino was going to try and play him behind. I think that was what the, the plan was because he kind of did that at Southampton pretty well, kind of behind to the left. Um, and it just didn't work. It just didn't. It didn't work with Dino because he didn't. He didn't really change the formation. He kind of stuck with two midfielders behind Ings. And him and Watkins just were both fighting for the same position. And actually, it's another thing Gerard did. He came out and said he sat them down and said, "I need to play, I need to play both of you. You two need to start working." And when we had a, I think a ten day off period where we didn't have any matches, I think it must have been the FA Cup period. That's all he worked on was them two um, doing drills, mastering where each other like to work, where they like to run. And you can kind of see that now; it's quite fruitful. Um, but for me, I, I think it was the wrong signing, and I actually think I'll be, I'm, I'm unsure he'll be there next season. I don't, I don't think mm. Gerrard's going to stick to that formation. He's going to change depending on the opponents, and Watkins will always get the nod ahead of Ings. Yeah, and it's a new manager as well. He's always going to want to step down some level of authority and uh, and bring some uh, some of his own faces in. Uh, and one of his own faces that he has brought in this January, which we had a little chat about uh, over over Twitter, is Coutinho. What what a start! Uh, a man that uh, I think pretty much had been written off to to a lot of levels. I mean, the last game that before he came that I remember seeing him in was the I think the Champions League final for Bayern Munich for about fifteen minutes. And it just looked by the wayside, did not look anything special, you know, and has, has come in with obviously a man that he's worked for, obviously not in a managerial capacity before, but in a team before and hit the ground running with, with what, is it four or five goals already? And a couple of assists. Uh, yeah. Four goals and three assists in seven games. Amazing. Amazing output. What, impact has that had on your season do you think oh it's huge I think it, it, it was 
it was part of the saviour, I think. It, it, it needed to be done swiftly when Gerard was appointed and just in case it didn't work the first couple of games. Mm. I think you need to, like, that's not a marquee signing for us. That's a global superstar that real, all Aston Villa fans would assume probably should have went somewhere else. It's just Gerard had the belief he was going to guarantee to get games, he's going to guarantee to get fit. And he's just next level. Like, I always liked him at Liverpool, but watching him week in, week out, he, he, he just glides. He's he's just phenomenal. He sees players coming from a mile off, very rarely gets tackled. And even when a player's around him and is clashing a feet, he still comes away with the ball. He's just, his, his centre of gravity is phenomenal. His pass range is brilliant. And it's not the only criticism I think all Villa fans would have on him is he should have scored more. He's had so many good chances that um, he's put away the hard ones and not scored the easy ones. It's ironic how that works, isn't it? And then you've also got another new man. And I guess I wonder how well he has has performed in a Villa shirt because I think Coutinho has taken the plaudits, has taken the headlines and rightly so. Uh, but I guess Digne, has he made a sort of kind of understated impact in your team? Because I know you like to now play with with very high attacking fullbacks. Um, in this new kind of four-three-three system that you've been working with on and off, so what kind of impact has he had as well? Well, it was understated. The, fir- the first two games, um, he was in acres of space every game, and it was the tunnel vision, single-minded defence that we've got. Assuming it was Matt Target still, and and, and that freedom wasn't there, he he's just always makes himself available. He's I wouldn't say he's an upgrade pace-wise on that target, but his nous and awareness, his um, crossing is phenomenal. I think he'll chip in with three or four goals in a full season. And he's got a bit of sort of shithousery about him that he knows when to take a yellow. He knows when to to do that. Um, And it's an absolute shame that he's not going to be there on the weekend, unfortunately. Oh, is he not? Is he 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 got Yeah, he got hurt hurt in the last game. So... um, I, I mean, I I'm, guess it's not a shame for us, but it is definitely no, a shame for you. No, when you have to say that it's going to probably be Young versus Saka. That's terrifying. Oh, Ashley Young. God, that's a throwback. Yeah. Um, and I, I guess before we move on to kind of games in context for both teams, I, I ha- I've i had this conversation with a few people of, of kind of clubs that seem to be floating between that eighth and twelfth range with the 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 vision to try and grow to try and build upwards and with the top six financially seeming so almost impregnable at points it seems so hard to build your club to what could be a, a consistently champions league or europa league level squ- kind of club or squad with with you know the, the what would be those regular six consistently having the opportunity to outspend and to 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 come back and grow back I guess where did Villa go from here a club obviously very esteemed with a lot of history what steps do they need to take to to really start to get back on that path and I mean for me I think they they've definitely started that there's been some really clever business from them in the last uh kind of two two years let alone you know 12 months you think of the the signing of Emmy Martinez this is going to be a bit of the Emmy Martinez derby again. I'm sure. I'm sure there will be a few interviews posted depending on how the the result goes. Um, but I guess where where do you guys go from here? 
um, it's just progression. It's what our new owners have said since they took over in the championship. It's progression each season. They are willing to back us. They're the fourth richest um, uh, club, actually club owners in the league. And they're, they're not afraid to splash the cash. They'll back the manager. They've backed, you know, they've backed Gerrard so far. They'll have goals that he'll need to hit. Um, I, I would have thought this season it would be above the position we're on last season, which was 11th. Um, I think they'll, if we could squeeze into Europe, they'll throw a lot of money at it in the summer. I don't think we'll get it. I think we'll probably end up end, end up ninth, maybe tenth, and then next season it will just be out with the rubbish and in with the players that he wants. He seems to have a good relationship, Gerard, with um, Langa, our sort of footballing director, who's renowned in Europe for scouting. So it's, it is a bright future. They they truly believe in him and Steven Gerrard and believe that the players he picks will be the right players that he's installing the correct mentality which we can already see um, and they will I absolutely no doubt will probably break our transfer transfer record two if not three times in the summer because we won't we won't buy a lot of players but we'll buy three huge huge players I think no no fears on your end that uh Stevie G's gonna take a little trip to Merseyside in 2024, maybe. Well, well, he's only going to get that job if he does does well with us. So coming mid table, three seasons on the trot, he's not going to get that job at all. I just don't believe it. And he no. and, and he he wouldn't want to come into that with the mediocrity. Mediocrity. You'd want to come in with a cup, with a European season, at least something along that lines. I, I truly believe it, and I think I think he will achieve it. I think next season we'll we'll see a real push, um, and he'll be backed. But he'll he'll put the pressure on him. Um, it's just whether he can get that pressure through the players. Yeah, and listen, there are definitely certain clubs who are currently occupying European spaces that will fall away. A couple of wrong moves, a couple of wrong signings, and they could they could be kind of tumbling down the mountain per se to 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 mid table. So I think it's maybe the right time to be making those kind of pushes as we've seen with Arsenal this season. It just seems to be the right time that we've been ava- kind of on it enough and available enough to to nip in and, and sneak this opportunity almost. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I think, I think the, the opportunity was there and Arsenal took it uh, when they looked weak. When they looked weak and all the focus was on your Spurs, your Wolves, your West Ham's. And, and it's it's vital for them, but them three, for example, that's the three that we're essentially comp- competing with in that 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 group. I think Arsenal will get their top four. Um, they will lose players in the summer. I wouldn't be worried about them gaining players. They're going to lose each one of them will lose one big player at least. So there's no way Kane's going to stay. There's no way Declan Rice will be still there. And um, Wolves, you could just see them disintegrating if they don't get Europe. Ruben so Neves, yeah. I mean, he's already been talked about about coming to Arsenal. Let alone he'll have interest from other clubs. Yeah. You know, Max Kilman's had a very, very impressive season, and as a left-footed centre back, you could see somebody taking a gamble. So, I, yeah, I, I really do agree. That's great. That thank you so much for the insight. That's that's really interesting to talk about 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 Villa because you know one thing that I find a lot of the time is I know how Arsenal play. But it's it's really nice to get to chat to somebody and and get to know more about their team and almost know what's to, what to expect. Um, 
but we will move on to the game in context. So Arsenal's last five are four wins and a loss. And we sit currently in fourth, a point ahead of United with two games in hand. Villa's last five, three wins, two losses. They sit ninth. You guys are 10 points clear of eighth, but you have a game in hand, so you could cut that down to seventh. And I mean, for Arsenal, it's I think it's well documented what the what every single one of these games means. You know, it's the cup final mentality. It's the challenging for top four. You know, it's very, very clear and obvious from the amount of kind of chatter around it, what it is. But I guess for Villa, is this kind of another another opportunity to make that late push? Maybe not for Europa League football, but if you could pip in at that conference league level, that again just opens up FFP rules and regulations to allow more money to spend. Because I'm I'm pretty sure I'm right in thinking that Villa right now have quite rich owners. So it's more about freeing up the opportunity FFP wise than the actual money that you get from the competition. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, we're still kind of riding high on the 100% profit from Grealish. So essentially, um, the money we spent in January is the only money money we spent this season. And we we got a few players out on loan, which recouped a bit of that cash as well. Um, I think for, for our position just now, um, we have Arsenal, of course, on Saturday, and then we've got Wolves. So if we were to get six points out of that, we're only four points off Wolves. Um, and that's that's huge. That that puts pressure on a team that would have would never have thought we were nearby. No. Um, do I think do I think we'll do it? I'm unsure. I'm unsure. But it's um, it's as for motivation for the players and and the team, it's huge, huge six points if we can get them. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. And I guess it it would signify a, a bit more so than than just maybe a slight incremental uh, kind of improvement on league position, that the, the, the Dino decision was right. And that, um, that this, you know, this is going to be successful moving forward. Because I, I did wonder and worry at the start of the season after watching the form, well, is this a, a failure of a season for Aston Villa? You know, obviously they got Grealish out, they got £100 million in. Uh, and they spent that on on some, you know, very recognisable talent, Leon Bailey being one of them. Uh, Emi Buendia, who apparently was snatched from the from the clasp of Arsenal. Um, so I, I guess it is about those kind of incremental increases. And if you can snatch that position from Wolves or from, you know, I could see Spurs having a tumble, United are having a tumble right now. West Ham... I mean, they're currently drawing with Sevilla, but if they go through, that adds to their fixture congestion. And I know as an Arsenal fan how hard it can be with a thin squad to do the Europa League and the league, and it can really cause you issues. So there's definitely room for it. I guess, I wonder, how likely do you think it is for you guys to push up into those places? If you if you were a betting man, what what do you think the the percentage is? How how confident would you be of, of kind of reaching that eighth place position? Where I th- I think that gets you conference league. No, is it seventh? Might be seventh. I think seventh. It depends if any of the English clubs win the yes. win the European trophies would bump that position down. Of course, um, I, I I like <laughs> I am secretly rooting for the English the English teams in in the. European competitions because I do see us doing it. I, like our next five games are Arsenal, Wolves, Spurs, Liverpool, Leicester. 
Now, that if, if we're going to genuinely believe and go for a push, that's the games. Because the games after that are games well below us, other than Man City. But if we get, I don't know, if we were to get nine out of that 15, that, that's a steamrolling towards it. And the pressure of the other teams will buckle. Like The Spurs are just too yo-yo just now. West Ham, the further they go, the more focus will be on that mm. that competition. Leicester, Leicester also, they've just qualified for the next round. Will they put out a full strength squad when they're playing the European game the, the few days after our game? Probably not. So the, the, like the, the advantages are kind of there. They're there for us. But. And I think those two clubs, those two clubs, West Ham and Leicester, I think we've seen... You know, from the Arsenal lineup that they, they played with resting players like Tielemans and Ndidi, I think we have seen a change in priority from those clubs. West Ham know that I think that the top four is gone for them pretty much, that they're unlikely to secure that through the league. So their most most likely avenue for Champions League football is through the Europa League. And then, you know, Leicester are currently down in like 12th. So their most likely route to, to European competition next season is to win the Conference League. So I guess that does give teams like Villa or Wolves or kind of clubs trying to push those teams the a little leg up or a little a little perch on them because like like us we're only in the league. I mean, are you guys still in the FA Cup? No, no, we were out pretty early. Yeah, it's literally just league play and focusing on that and kind of increasing that that league position, uh, which which will be a, a massive, you know, advantage, I think. And I, I, uh, you said nine out of 15. I hope three of those points come against Spurs and I hope none of those points come against the <laughs> Arsenal. I, I fancy us. I fancy us on the weekend. I do. Uh, it's going to be tricky. I think, Ars- you know, playing at, at 8.15 on a Wednesday and then having the early kickoff on a Saturday is is going to have an impact especially when you consider the hard yards that were put in by that team against Liverpool. It, um, it's annoying as well, seeing as, you know, we're, we're, not in, we're not in any other competition. There are plenty of other game weeks that, that they could have scheduled this for and will have played three games in six days, which is the most frustrating part. There, uh, I guess this is a perfect time to move on to some predictions. For me, I mean... Lineup wise, I think we'll see the same Arsenal team that we've seen over the last kind of three, four weeks. Our, our mainstay right back is still out injured, which I think is such a shame in, in with Tomiyasu because I think he's a player that we, we did need to get back for this game, if possible. Uh, the, there's a lot of danger on your left hand side, whether that be Ollie Watkins or... Ramsey. Yeah, Ramsey would be attacking that side. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of, of room for... Cedric's frailties to be exploited, which which they were against Liverpool. He was at fault for both of our conceded goals. So that does worry me a bit. In terms of scoreline, I I think we will edge it. I think it will be a very, very close result. I think it's going to be like a 1-0 or a 2-1. Uh, I, uh, uh, and... I, I, I'm even con- like reconsidering my stance as I'm, I'm saying this. I think it could also easily be a draw. Uh, but I wonder what you think. What what kind of lineup do you think we'll see from Villa? Um, well, I've been, I've been thinking about it today. Um, I think it depends on how confident we are. Um, 
because there's variations we can do because we've we've sussed out this diamond formation to allow the strikers to go in. Um, I could see us keeping that solely because teams that come out at us is where it works, is where we can punish because we're not afraid to do the over the top ball. Um, if we get it into Catino in in opposition half, he will pick it out. He'll pick that pass. And Watkins and Ings are phenomenal at running off the defenders. The only thing that could change it for me is um, the absolute fear of Saka against Young. I think if 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 Young is going to start left back, they need to protect that, which means a wee bit of a rejig in midfield. So McGinn would probably go over to that side and help protect Young. Or alternatively, um, they could put uh, Cash there and put Konza on the right to look after Martinelli um, and keep Chambers centre-half and just nullify both both outside guys. I, I, I'm not overly concerned. It'll probably jinx me, but I'm not overly concerned about Lacazette. I think um, Saka, Martinelli and Odegaard, the last two games I've watched have just been unreal. Absolutely unreal. And I think if um, Dougie Louise isn't on his game, then the fullbacks are going to have a tough time. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what Jeddah's going to do. It's the one game so far in his tenure that we can't predict the team because we don't know if he's going to go cautious to um, protect Young or if he's not going to play him at all and just go all out, all out attack again. Yeah. Because um, I think your, the frailties there are Cedric. Um, I think uh, Watkins and um, Gabriel. Is that his name? Gabriel. Gabriel. Yeah, yeah, he's all. Yeah, they had, they, yeah. They, had quite, they had quite a tussle the last time round, um, uh, and um, the game the game last time as much as much as Arsenal bet us three one, I'd be surprised if Smith Rowe didn't play because he absolutely annihilated annihilated us last time. He was just phenomenal. Mm. Um, but all your goals, one was a corner, one was a penalty, and one was a terrible, uh, a terrible attempt at a tackle by catch. I take away, take them out of the game. Like I think, I think you were the better possession-wise, but actual chances we just couldn't finish them. So from that progression, from that game to now, we've got better. You've got better. I I could see a few goals. I th- I think it could be a two-all, or we have a defensive masterclass and and keep a clean sheet and maybe nick it one 0 Definitely, you know, before last night's result against Liverpool, because we're filming this on Thursday. Um. Arsenal were the form team in the league after the Man City draw. You know, no no team had mm-hmm. had taken more points in their last ten games, um, other than maybe Liverpool. No, I'm not sure. I think it no, was I think Arsenal. It was Arsenal, yeah, I think Arsenal um, was that were top anyway. And it it's a good time, I think, for Villa to play Arsenal with with you know the fixture congestion of three games in six days. I hope that doesn't have an impact because I do. As a, as a fan of Arsenal very much so, but as a fan of football, I want to see teams at their best. You know, I want to see good football because it's, it's, it, it makes it better. It's just entertaining. Um, and I guess to close out the show, the, the final question I'll ask you, Erdegaard or Coutinho? <laughs> you asked me this on Twitter and, I, and I, I did, I backed my boy and I said, right now, Erdegaard is, is exactly what Arsenal need. Um, but I guess I wonder, if you had the chance to swap Coutinho for Erdegaard, would you do it? Or would you keep your your Brazilian star man? 
I would keep him. I think other than the age um, advantage Odegaard has, um, I would I would take Coutinho. I think just with the players we have, it fits better. Um, however, I I am really surprised how big Odegaard is. He's I've never noticed that before. He has quite a presence on a, on a football field. Yeah, like he's a big boy, and for the sort of quick feet and intelligence that he has, he's um, he's he's cra- he's a cracking player, like really really good. But I personally would take Coutinho only because of a <laughs> loving him since I've ever seen him at Inter, and b he's at that age now and a point to prove, and you can see he feels loved again. You can see it. Yeah, and that's I, so important. And I think, and, but Odegaard's got that too. You, you can absolutely see that with Arsenal fans. Um, I think it'll, I think it'll be an absolute masterclass by both of them. I, I genuinely can't wait. You don't really get poor Arsenal Villa games, and I'm quite excited about it. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a good game. And you know, we have we had a we had a set we had well we have a, we say this occasionally on the podcast, like you said about Erdogan with stature. It's the same with Coutinho or other players. Uh, what we used to say is like uh, that they're a big five foot eight, or like as in they just seem like that. Like for, for example, Smith Rowe is I think six foot one, but does not look six foot one. It's so strange no, I would never in the, that. In the yeah. warped perception of the game. And then finally, do you think you'll pay the price to get him on a permanent? Well, from what I gather, and again, that's just through Rumorville and that, it, it has already been agreed. Um, I think it, the, there's just a lot of media hype about other clubs wanting to come in and pinch him, um, like Arsenal, West Ham, Spurs. But... Um, like, could I see that happen in Arsenal? P- possibly. You probably owe us one. Um, but West Ham and Spurs—that's just never happening. And I think, and 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 the joy he gets with the team spirit we've got, Gerard being his manager, Gerard essentially saying, "Do what you need to do. You're the you're the best here." Um, I don't know if he gets that other clubs, and and I wouldn't. No. He doesn't fit either into their jigsaw puzzles. He doesn't fit the way that Arsenal want to play and want to progress. So Arsenal won't come in for him. He's in no yeah. way a Conte type player. West Ham have got about seven number 10s in their team and they're having to play them across their front line. So I don't think, other than maybe someone from abroad, I don't see any English club rivaling Villa for him. And I think I think, I think, think also the fear of um, being on the bench again. I just don't think he wants that. Um, he's getting better and better every game. His fitness levels are miles better. He's finishing the games now. Um, and he's back to the pace of the Premiership, which I'm assuming when you're of that quality, you must miss it when you leave it. Absolutely. You must miss it. Definitely. Well, I think that's that's everything that we need to cover. Thank you so much, Baz, for coming on. This has been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having uh, me. I feel like I, I, I know a hell of a lot more about Villa now. I'm very, very excited for the game. If you just want to plug uh, your Twitter and the podcast or any content that you've got coming up, please feel free. Uh, yeah, well, just um, obviously I'm, I'm part of the It's 11, It's Heaven for Jamie Vardy, Leicester City podcast. Um, so uh, please uh, follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And mine, mine's just Barry Robertson, my account. Um, I actually have a stag do in a few weeks that we're going to the Aston Villa Leicester game I'm going to try and do the show there if we can so even being a neutral it'd be good if you could listen in. amazing yes guys please go give it a listen um, thank you so much for coming on mate this has been brilliant and uh, thank you guys for listening and, and making it this far if you have made it this far please uh, feel free to give us a, a rating on uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you frequent your podcast delights uh, but other than that thank you for listening keep it diff knock and we'll see you later.
Peace. Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast. Please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using. If you'd like to support the show, you can find us on Patreon and buymeacoffee.com, find us on Twitter at DiffKnock, and visit our website, thedifferentknock.com. Thanks. Podcast Network.